0: Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper. A series of interviews with financial consultants and industry experts helping financial advisors strategize, market, and grow their business using core fitness values and analogies. Do something today that your future self will thank you for with Get Advisor Fit. Here's your host, Olivia Looper.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Get Advisor Fit, where we encourage you to lift heavy, invest often, and market your ass off. Today, we're going to talk about enhancing your CRM system to achieve proactive marketing and client service success. Today, we're going to be joined by the one and only Stephanie Dannebaum. We're going to dive into the nexus of financial planning and technology with this Bay Area native. Stephanie kicked off her journey at Wow. Why did I do that? Okay. First of all, I screwed that up. Let me start over. See, I'm starting over. Okay. Um, I was trying, I was not reading it and I was trying to, okay. Stephanie kicked off her journey at Cal Poly. That's not how you say that.
0: Well, you can say, you you can say Cal Poly. It's a school. It's at my college. So you can say-
1: What is it called?
0: It's called Cal Poly, but- It is?
1: Okay. What's mm -hmm. SLO?
0: San Luis Obispo.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm like, "Why? What is that?" Okay. Right, um yeah.
0: just do Cal Poly or you can do I mean, the whole thing is California Polytechnic State University, so it's super Oh,
1: long. okay, okay. Yeah. Um Okay, let me just make sure there's nothing else that I don't know how to say. Okay. All right. Let me start over. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to start all the way over. Yes, I am. Okay. I'm just going to start all the way over. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome back to Get Advisor Fit, where we encourage you to lift heavy, invest often, and market your ass off. Today, we're going to be talking about enhancing your CRM system to achieve proactive marketing and client service success. Today, we are joined by Bay Area native Stephanie Danabom. Stephanie kicked off her journey at Cal Poly and later earned her dual master's from Mills College in Oakland. But here's the twist. While her background boasts nearly a decade in the financial world, her true passion lies in leveraging technology to transform the industry. After years in investment management and financial planning, she pivoted to a consultant role driven by her enthusiasm for financial advisory technology. Her goal, to help financial planners and advisors maximize their CRM software, streamlining client data, and enhancing customer service. She is also a strategic partner with Redtail Technology and an expert in Wealthbox CRM. Stephanie is here to shed some light on how technology is revolutionizing financial services. Off the clock, she's all about family moments with her husband, kids, and two playful pups. We're excited to get into this with you today, Stephanie. Thank you for being here.
0: Well, thank you, Olivia, for the amazing introduction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I I started doing this like I would say like 6 to 10 episodes ago and I'm so glad that I did because it really gives me a chance to kind of dive in and see, you know, m- learn more about my guests before they come, but also give a like nice background set the stage for the the listeners who we have here and all the goodies that you're going to share with us. So I am glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you again for having me. Yes. No, it's great. And guys, Stephanie have, and I have spoken multiple, multiple times um, over the past six months. I'm really impressed with what she knows about not just red tail and, and integrating and automating, but how this These technologies can be used to help you in your marketing and in your sales processes. So today we're gonna dive into all of that um, to help you, you know, build out your business better and easier with less stress. So, Stephanie, when people think about their CRM, their client customer relationship management software, I don't think that, you know, they are really thinking, oh. This is going to help me just blow my business out of the water. So if I am the owner of a firm, why should I care so much about my CRM software?
0: Definitely. So the CRM really is the main central location for all of your data. So what's really great about it is all these integrations that, for instance, Redtail and Wealthbox and some of these other CRM softwares are doing. So You know, being able to connect your financial planning software, being able to connect your marketing software, um, and then it's just a central repository of all your contact information as well as practice management. So all your notes for compliance and such. So as a business owner, what's great is that you just jump right into the CRM and you can see from a bird's eye view what's going on with your clients as well as your prospecting efforts.
1: Now, I have a big confession to make as we get into this conversation, right? Here at Lexicon, we use Redtail um, as our CRM we have we have from the start um, because my mother-in-law who got me into the industry, Jenny Hudgens of the Strategic Implementer, she um, uses the technology and she said, you know, this is the best. It's a gold standard. Like, okay, we're going to use it. I don't actually use it. My husband uses it for us because my brain just does not work that way. I know, I know. How can you possibly run a business without being in your own CRM? I do go in it. But for the most part, he's running and setting all of these things up because it stresses me out. It gets me like when I see all of these colors on the calendar and all of these activities that I have to do, like I am overwhelmed. Do you find that this is a common theme among people that come to you with their CRM problems?
0: Definitely. So I always view the CRM on a role basis. So someone like yourself as a business owner, I like to have them be in it honestly as little as possible. So my goal is to have the firm (laughs) owner go in and utilize the features that are meant for them, which to me are the reporting features and the dashboards. So you are able to go in and see what your staff is able to do on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. So really, you know, being able to run reports and see, okay, where am I at with my lead generation efforts? Where am I at with my contact sources? So for instance, when you're prospecting, am I getting a lot of my contacts or my clients rather from my, you know, client referrals or are they coming from events? Um, And so, being able to run those reports and get those KPIs, those key performance indicators as the owner, is the most critical. And to me, that's the cherry on top. So, you know, the fruit of your labor, pun intended, of going through and actually utilizing your software um, and actually building it out and making sure you have clean data in there. Then, as the business owner, you can kind of sit back, run those reports, and then be able to see where you can really put those, you know, marketing dollars and those different efforts um, to be able to, you know, take advantage of bringing. In new assets, for instance, or whatever your goals are for your firm.
1: Okay, so I don't get mad at me, but I just really want to ask these questions that are burning inside of me. I know that I said I was going to get to the marketing part of this later, but of course, I want to know the answers now. So I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. So we're talking about um well, you touched on a few things that I want to ask about, but so. Now you might be wondering, Olivia, if you don't use a CRM, how are you tracking your own leads and your own sales process? Well, I, for some Lord knows what reason, I have been tracking my opportunities in like a marketing CRM. And then when they get, you know, they sign up, then I've been moving them to Redtail. But I realized that that's not the only way to do it. So are are there sort of pros and cons to having two different CRMs or um, can you achieve everything that you want inside of Redtail or Wealthbox without having to have a separate marketing CRM? Where do you stand on that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think every firm is different. So it really just depends on what you're looking to achieve. Um, you know, every CRM has, you know, their own prospecting and marketing, uh, software systems and features within them. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's whatever is most functional for you. And, at you know, however you can best use the software. So if it's if it makes sense to be into, um, you know, then you can look at different ways to automate and bring that information over. Um, but to me, the CRM has enough of a robust prospecting and lead generation engine within each of them, um, that you can, in all different CRMs, honestly, Salesforce too. Um, and so you can be able to bring that information over. Um, and I personally like it too, to be in the CRM because then the conversion over to once they become a client is that much easier because then you're not having to duplicate those efforts.
1: Yeah, definitely. I totally get that. Um, so when you're helping folks, let's say we're gonna we want to look at the piece from when they we first get like an opt-in from somewhere or we first meet them or they first have sent us a LinkedIn DM and they become a lead. um what stages do you um recommend that advisors? put into their CRM for the process between the time when the person becomes a lead to the time when they either say, no, I'm not ready for engagement or yes, I want to become a client.
0: Definitely. So I'd say, again, it kind of depends. I mean, every firm is a little different. Uh, You know, there's some firms that I've worked with where they have three or four prospect meetings to make sure that they're the right fit. And then there's some others who say after one or two meetings or even just one meeting that they want to sign them on as a client. So for me, the most critical aspect is to translate What you do, whether it's one meeting, no meetings or five meetings before you sign them up as a client, making sure that whatever process, whatever your secret sauce is to make sure that is translated into the system. So that's where I can go in and I can help out with building out those workflows, for instance, for prospects, um, whether that's, you know, the opportunities, lead gen, kind of all that process. So, making sure you have you know processes in place. My rule of thumb for workflows is, if it's a handful of people and it's a larger process, such as prospecting, um, I always like to say put it in as a workflow and then utilize okay. the other features within it um, to be able to do that. Um, there are some CRMs out there that can automatically, you know trigger workflows, which is a great feature. Um, and then so there's different ways for you to do it. But um, to me, it's translating what you do uniquely. Cause that's to me, that's that's the first you know experience you have with that client. And that client needs to understand and have transparency on what your process is compared to another advisor. So being able to make sure that all of your processes um, within the prospect overall process is identified and, and you know, implemented. So there's nothing that's left unturned.
1: Yeah. Okay. I can get, I can get on board with that. Cause to be honest with you, I see the same thing. So there's, when we work with clients, there's multiple different ways that we do it. Um, If we are, you know, there's different levels of engagement with us. The highest levels are where we tie our company performance to the advisor outcomes. And in that case, I like to have a, you know, heavier hand in the way that they're managing their prospecting process um and in general i would say for anybody who's listening who's curious we sort of go through these stages new lead um discovery or new lead if they have had any sort of application or opt-in meeting booked uh proposal required or maybe you have some sort of part in your plan that's like um an overview of your service or the way the service would be run um if they have signed up or not ready yet and then lost so we kind of go through some variation of those. Um, and we would, you know, work within, within their technologies. So because in the past we have worked in other people's technologies in there's a lot of differentiation between, you know, I mean, they, they pretty much all do the same thing. You just kind of have to get used to them, right? Like setting up the workflows, monitoring your opportunities, um, seeing where, mm-hmm. you know, you can make projections based on if they, you won or, or, or lost mm-hmm. the the lead. Um, so I don't, I'm not really sure where I was going with that, but I guess the, the better, the bigger question to ask here then is, um, how can I scale my CRM software to align with my growing business? So, you know, when you first start, you might not have, you be using a lot of capabilities. How do you know when to take the next step? How do you know, you know, and I'm sure that I can answer this myself, To some extent, like when the need arises, right, you find a way to to innovate and make it work so that you can be more efficient and productive. But in your experience, you know, how, how can someone think about this in terms of their growing business and aligning their CRM software to help with that scale?
0: Definitely. And I've worked with lots of clients who start out as a solo advisor, and then they bring on, you know, maybe one support staff. And then I talk with them six months to a year later, and then they have another advisor. So being able to build your CRM out for scalability is critical. There's some firms out there that are not looking to do that, which is completely fine, Um, but for those that are looking to scale, there are different ways you can build out your CRM to achieve that. So I would say the number one thing is that when you build out your workflows or task or activity templates or anything in that way, always, always, always assign it to either a role, so like CSA, for instance, a client service associate um, or operations, team or something like that. So being able to be more at a team level uh, versus even if it's one person, even if your operations team is one person, the most critical aspect is that if all of those tasks are aligned with that role, then being able to adjust it. So if someone is out sick, or let's say someone decides to take a new opportunity, you're not having to go back in and say, Jane Smith has now left, so we have to change over the whole system to this new Ah. So being able to utilize the roles within the CRM, and again, that's my broader you know, uh, cherry on top conversation we had earlier where really building this all out so that way you have your more boots on the ground, people doing the day-to-day of the task management, um, but having those assigned out to the actual roles versus the individuals is probably the, the number one thing that I would recommend.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. So will then when the new person comes in and you upload them or add them as a team member in the CRM at that time, do you specifically assign that to them so that they get triggered when all of the um when it's their turn in the process to do things?
0: Right. So what's really nice is that by you doing the back end work of adding those those users in to those certain teams the minute you initiate let's say a workflow then they will get the notification so instead of having to go into let's say you have a book of business of 100 200 households instead of having to individually go in there and do an update you can just assign that group to that you know you can assign for instance there's some CRMs that you have teams and then there's contact roles as well as servicing advisors you know it's a lot easier to do a bulk update Um, in that regard. And so then once everything is all set up, then you can be able to just, um, you know, instead of recreating the wheel every time, that's my number one thing too, is making sure that's why I love templates. I love building out the workflow templates and the task and activity templates and even note templates because, you know, majority of the time you're going to be doing it over and over and over again. And so um, there's no reason for you to have to retype in the information every time. So being able to have your whole library of templates on the ready, Um, And being able to implement that is is super critical, again, to scalability of the templates. So making sure you have everything in place, um, whether it's prospecting, whether it's onboarding, making sure that everyone on your team knows exactly what steps you're going through, um, just like how you identified. So honestly, it's like taking what you said, you make sure it lines up with what the advisor wants, and then I would go in, translate it into the software and build out those task templates or workflows. And, you know, as I was kind of mentioning earlier with the workflows, I personally like them to be more of a process and more time Um as far as like if there's a time component to it. So with prospecting, it may take six months to bring them on board. So that's why I like the workflows, because it keeps you on track and it will automatically trigger the next step. Um, if you're a smaller team and it's one or two people doing it more on a short term basis, like a money movement or a beneficiary update or something, I tend to build those out in as test task templates or as activity templates just because there's no reason to build out this huge workflow that you always have to monitor um, if it's just one or two people that are doing it. Again, you can assign it to the team. So let's say there's two client service associates on your team. Uh, They will both be notified saying, hey, you have to do this task. And as long as you have that communication and that understanding of who is the first person to take on those tasks, Um, That's the most critical. So I always like to say that, you know, you always have a kind of a CRM manual, if you will, of like, how do I go through that process, but you make sure that lines up with your operations manual. Some firms I work with have a full-blown operations manual, and it's great. It's very defined. It's very specific. Um, And then there's others who just, you know, they don't have it. They have it by word, but not not actually written down, which is completely fine. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as nothing's slipping through the cracks, Um, but it's really making sure those work in tandem most critical
1: okay so templates that's my love language but I want to say hold the phone you're helping them make the templates too so they don't even have to know what the hell to put in there
0: yeah, so what I, I do with my clients is I actually have a library. So I have a library of note templates, tasks and activities, um, and then workflow templates. So again, you know, as you were mentioning in the intro, um, I'm an advisor converted to consultant. And so when I was in the shoes of an advisor, um, I was an operations associate for a number of years before that, which gave me that backbone of operations. Um, but really being able to translate what I did on the front lines as an advisor and operations, um, I know firsthand what needed to be done. And again, that's why I feel like my viewpoint on workflows and task templates and stuff is maybe a little different than others. Just because based off of my experience, I didn't really want to have to go through a workflow if all I needed to do was a quick activity template. Um, and so being able to just you know go through that motion uh, was the most important.
1: I love that differentiation because if there's too much friction, people aren't going to use it, right? So if they're like, um, I know that I have to do this, but it's going to trigger all of this other stuff, whatever. I'm just going to go in and do it, and they're not going to mark it off, or they're not going to go through the proper workflow. And one tip that I heard one time, and I don't I don't know how accurate this is, but to design the processes so that it's easier to use the workflow than it is to just try to do it on your own. meaning. Right. Put the templates in place, put the triggers in place so that it's actually, the workflow actually makes the work easier than feeling like another step. So it's like, I like to think of it like, you know, when you go to the airport and the the walking sidewalks, I feel like that's what it should be like. Like the walking sidewalk it gets you there faster than if you were just going to walk on the yeah. regular side. No,
0: exactly. (laughs) exactly. No. And so, yeah, so essentially I have templates, but again, I like to take what, you know, whatever processes um, that the firm currently does and then just make, you know, and then customize it. So that's where I come in on an hourly basis and I'm able to help out. Um, build out whatever processes make sense for the firm. So there's some firms that I work with that it makes sense to build out workflows. And then there's others that it makes sense to build out those task and activity templates. But to me, it's all about that customization. I can I can give you templates, but I mean, honestly, there's templates all over the place. Um, I'm able to just put them in based off of what I've done in the past. But again, you know, where I feel like I'm able to add value and as an advisor, where you're going to add value is that customized approach um, yeah. compared to other so to me, that's that's where it really makes sense to, to put in your efforts. But I agree with you because I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I know we're both into to sports and everything. And so to me, it's like the practice, right? Like, you ha- you know, you have someone like me come in or even someone on your team, you go in, you build all of that out, you do the practice, right? You, you, you make sure you do all that front end work. So that way, when it comes to game day, then you, know, you don't have to worry about having to actually go through this huge, laborious process. The, the goal, again, going back to your comment about scalability, how do you make things go faster? Putting in that upfront work, maybe it takes you an hour or two, two, three, I don't know how many hours it takes to build out something. But then when you get that call from a prospect and they say, hey, I really want to learn more about what you're doing. You literally just in- initiate that workflow. And in a matter of seconds or minutes, all of a sudden you have everything in place. So to me, it's worth it to put in that extra effort again, you know, with the metaphors of sports. But, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's get my your reps in. Yeah, exactly. Get your reps in, because then we yeah, when it comes to the actual actual game day, then it, it makes it makes it just so much easier. And then again, that leads to adoption too, right? So if like, yeah. if your team members see how easy it is, then they're going to be that much more excited saying, oh, all I have to do is just follow these processes. Mm-hmm. I don't have to yeah. worry about what's going on. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I think it's well worth the investment to put that time into, you know, some people call it whiteboarding, you know, I, however you want to describe it, um, but making sure that you're you're translating all of that information over into the system um, and then getting as detailed as you need, depending on what your your team needs.
1: Okay. So if somebody was like, I need that, I know that I need that. And when I look at my team and I tell my team, team, we're going to build out processes. And they go, Oh God. Because to them, they're like, oh my gosh, this is just going to be more work. This is going to change my flow. Is It's going to take me longer. Is it going to be more friction, more stress? Why are they doing this to me? So for that kind of person who comes to you, how much of their process do they have to have in place already for you to be able to help them on your end? I mean, like, do they need it to, like, be written out in a Word doc? Or do they meet with you on the phone and explain it to you? Or how do you know, and uh, related to that, I guess, is how do you decide which which build outs you're going to do in the CRM first?
0: Mm -hmm. Great question. So really, um, the first to answer your first question, as far as the process, you know, I do it any way that you want. So Um, Most advisors that I work with, I would say I do more of like a pseudo interview of them of what's what's going on with their processes. Um, And mainly that's because time is money. They don't have the time to write out the processes if they don't already have them documented, but they're all up here. And so being able to actually just explain what that process is, um, is the most critical. So I usually do that. I offer that as well as if you have your documents already, you know, on Word or whatever platform, Excel, um, you can translate, you know, give that to me and then I can be able to translate depending on... Because you know, I, I look at it and I say, OK, well, based off of what I see, this is how we're going to put it in. We're going to build out some categories so that way you can do reporting. Um, and again, kind of going back to your question, is like, how do you even get these people to sit down and talk, you know, talk shop about the processes? Um, to me, it's all about incentives. So, you know, really explaining how much easier it's going to be to. Um, to have in place all of these templates, for instance, and making sure that nothing slips through the cracks. Um, I've had some clients who actually not only give, you know, verbal incentives, but actual financial incentives. So sometimes what we've actually done is we've built out reports where we look at those key performance indicators. So what people have done in the past is they create note templates, for instance, and they just you know we create a category so that way it's easy to report on it but those people are bonused based off of how much they are doing for that specific category whether it's phone calls whether it's lead generation whether it's how many accounts you've opened for the quarter so we can be as detailed as possible and to me that's that's the you know crescendo of, of the crm again like i've mentioned before as far as those reporting features but you know again it goes it, to me it all goes back to incentives i have two young kids i I have a three-year-old and incentives are key with her. And so it's no different than with um, when I was working at the various firms before I decided to become a consultant. So um, making sure that the team is on board is the most critical aspect um, about it.
1: I'm all about bribery. I bribe my children. I'll bribe people to fill out surveys. I mean, I'm all about and I say bribing in jest, but like, I'm all about incentivizing things. I totally, am, you know, get get people with some skin in the game and you get, you know, your, the tune changes a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a great recommendation. But you said a word that, of course, I like, which is lead generation. So how do you see advisors using their CRM for lead generation? So I see it in
0: a multitude of ways. Um, First, I would say building out those workflows. Um, There's an opportunity section in most of the CRMs um, that I work with. So you can track the pipeline of your sales. Um, Those are main ways. And then you can also find integrations too, with some of those larger marketing platforms too. Um, And so being able to you know, ca- you know, capitalize on the software itself, but, you know, again, using templates and then, you know, utilizing the features within. So, for instance, if we're trying to figure out where a majority of our prospects are coming from, there's an actual field within a contact record called contact source. Um, And usually that's, you know, doesn't matter which CRM you're in, um, they always have that. And what's great is that you can then again, going back to like the top, as far as the reporting, you can quickly run a report and see, okay, based on the last, you know, 365 days, how many people am I actually getting from being a referral? How many people am I actually getting from my newsletter, my website? And then you can actually glean some metrics and be able to see where you should actually be pivoting or if you're in alignment with your prospecting uh, goals.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, as a financial advisor, you should know about as great. I mean, you should know about as well as anyone, how important it is to track what's working and what's not, especially in marketing. As I always say, marketing is a creative process that's backed by by data-driven decisions, but flexibility is key. So you, and even, okay, so source attribution, right? Like you can even dig deeper, I'm sure too. Um, uh, and say, okay, well, the, you know, what's what do I have in common about people who come to the website? Oh, they're super interested in retirement planning. But when I talk uh, uh, the people that have come to me with social security concerns are coming to me from LinkedIn or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like you can actually get even more detailed and in, in getting information about attribution to decide, you know, to inform your content strategy going forward and also. You know, start, stop, continue. What is working? What do we want to continue doing? What's not working? So we will stop or adjust it. And what are our opportunities that we're not having that we haven't yet explored? So the start section. So I think um, you know, having that somewhere is is paramount to your marketing efforts, especially if you don't have someone that's helping you do that. Um, if you're, you know, solo kind of DIYing it. No, um,
0: exactly. And there's more detail you can do, just like you said. So at least you know, to, to translate that into the CRM, you know, sure, we did the contact source for a prospect, um, but then there's the contact type. So once you transition them from prospect to client, you change that field. They also have tags, keywords, that some of them use custom fields, user-defined fields. There's all these, this different jargon as far as the different features that you can use, but you can get as granular as you want. Again, trying to figure out where are you most successful and then where do you need to improve um, based off of what you're looking to achieve with your prospecting efforts.
1: Yeah. So then you're not, we're not flying blind in the marketing world. Right. So like one thing that I recently implemented in my business, which is different from the last time we talked, Stephanie, um, is that any mark, any firm that comes to me who has done any sort of marketing in the past, it must go through the audit process because for this very reason we've got to um understand where our greatest areas of opportunity are and we're only going to be able to understand that based on what infrastructure you have in place and the results that you have based on whatever you're doing with that infrastructure at the time so seo we've got to look at you know traffic sources things like that um conversion m- m- rates email same thing social media same thing and so having this uh, data available for a potential marketing partner can be invaluable and their ability to help you, right? So we, instead of having to collect data over a first three to six month period, we've already got data that we can look at. Of course, granted, they're probably gonna put some different strategies in place that you haven't been using, but it is a great, great, great place to start. So having that data, having accumulated it as somebody doing their own marketing over time can be huge when you're at the level where you have the revenue to outsource or to hire someone in-house to help with marketing. So just because you don't need it right now, or let's say you are, you know, happy with your lifestyle practice and you're not looking to like blow this business out of the water, you know what I'm saying? The data is still useful down the road. So mm-hmm. monitor, it, just track it for your own, your future self. Well, thank you for that.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it's, you know, everyone says a clean data in, clean data out. So it's worth it to put in that little bit of effort, possibly every month, every quarter. I mean, I always recommend to my clients, whenever you're doing a client review, always have those like five or six key items that you always want to be tracking. Um, you know, what's their retirement? What's their employment? Are there any new PII, the, you know, personal identification information? Like how, you know, do does that information need to be updated? So by doing it in bite-sized pieces like that of like, okay, I've met with all of my clients once a year. but I, instead of having to do this huge project, again, buy in from the, the the you know client service associates, instead of having them run this huge Excel spreadsheet and make all these updates or reach out to clients, Why not spend five minutes as part of your one hour, two hour meeting with each client just to verify that information? Um, So that's that's where, again, you know, being strategic on how you deal with that information, I think is the most critical. And again, that increases buy in. um, But being able to just, you know, make it more obtainable versus it being this huge project or this huge CRM cleanup, for instance, um, that seems to be very successful for a lot of the clients that I've worked with.
1: Oh okay I like that and I like that also clean data in clean data out. So let's say that you're um you're an advisor and and your business is growing rapidly and you know that you can you want to leverage your CRM more effectively so you can improve productivity and profitability across the board um but you things are going so fast. Referrals are coming in you're spending a lot of time meeting with prospects, keeping up with your current client reviews and rebalancing and and beneficiary changes, opening accounts and all this stuff. Um, and they they know that if they could get a hold of their CRM, that they would be in a better place, but they don't really know where to start. They come to you. I know you sort of touched on this already, but they they start to, to chat with you and they're like, Stephanie, I know that... My CRM is the key to me sort of unlocking that next level, but I don't know where to start. Do you take a look at what they've already got going in their CRM? Um, so how does that work for someone who is sort of—I don't want to use the word triage, but like they're in a—they're in a position of rapid growth. They need to get a hold of it fast. Where do we start?
0: Definitely, um, it's actually very similar to what you're saying as far as an assessment is concerned. So, typically, uh, usually when I have a prospect of my own that reaches out and is interested to, you know, take their CRM to the next level, we do what I like to call an inspection report. So, similarly to buying a house, you know, I jump on the roof, go in the attic, go in the crawl space, let's see what's going on under the hood of of your CRM. So. I actually have a report where I actually will go through all of the different areas and try and uncover what's going on in the CRM just to get the health of it, um, you know, or, you know, a doctor visit, if you will, um, of, of what's going on. You know, are you actually utilizing the features properly? Do you, do you know that some of these features exist? Um, and then how do we make sure that they're run more efficiently? And then usually I hold a call after that and, you know, we'll go through it. And there's some firms that I've worked with that say, I had no idea that feature even existed. This is awesome. Like just, just even that phone call, we can, you know, uh, leverage a lot of the different features and just that conversation alone can really set that up, that advisor up for success. Um, But then from there, once we identify what needs to be done, that's our roadmap. So we see, okay, do we need to clean up our contact management? Do we need to build out these templates? Um, so for me, it just gives me an idea of what we need to do in order to take that CRM to the next level. Um, so once we go through that, we, we identify what we need to do. Again, I work on an hourly basis. Um, I really like to customize to what the advisor needs. Um, and so being able to go through and identify, all right, we need X amount of workflows built out. We need a couple activity templates, but you know what? I already have the staff to take care of the contact management. I just need strategic advice on what to do. So I'll usually hold a call just to go through. Hey, based based on best practices, I would do X, Y, Z, um, and then their team will take it and run with it. Again, that goes back to that incentive. That goes back to that adoption. So all of a sudden, if the team is getting their hands dirty and actually going through that process, then they see firsthand how to actually use the software, how to update it. Um, so then that just empowers them. So that way they feel like they're part of the process. Um, and then they're more likely to use use those different features in the long run. Um, and then once we build everything out, usually I check in about six months later, just ask them, you know, how's everything going? Are there any tweaks we need to make um, based off of that? Um, the processes again we I interview them at, or they send me their processes when it comes to those templates um, if they want me to build them out but um, making sure that the you know the process is as seamless as possible but again time is money and making sure that the CRM is up and running ASAP is the most important yes so I try yes. and I try and leverage not only my time but also the team's time um, I try and you know do a lot of my engagements in only a handful of months just because you know the CRM is, is kind of a necessary evil to have, but you know, you need to have those meetings, those client meetings is what's bringing money in the door. And so to be able to just jump in and, and utilize the, the CRM software as soon as possible is definitely my goal.
1: So as you can see, the CRM is really going to guide how much you can do and how much time, what you're going to be able to accomplish. So if you don't have your CRM under control I'm raising my own hand here, okay? I'm in shame. (laughs) Might just have to talk to Stephanie about this, about helping me with my CRM afterward. Um, Then you know who to go to to get help. Stephanie, thank you so much for for being with us today. I know that a lot of people are going to be interested in learning how they can work with you or connect with you. So can you go ahead and tell us how they can get in touch with you or inquire about your services?
0: definitely. So you can go to my website which is just my first and last name stephaniedanabomb.com. In there you'll be able to see uh, just kind of more details as far as what I do. Um I am on LinkedIn as well. Um, and then I do have a YouTube channel as well that has a couple of videos um on other podcasts and other webinars that I've been able to be a guest on.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for this, Stephanie. I really appreciate all the information that you shared with us today. Um and And if you didn't know before today that you can use your CRM for marketing, now you know, and you got to get on it. Um, So you guys know where to find me as usual, www.lexiconadvisormarketing.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn under Olivia Looper. We also have YouTube and Instagram if you're interested in connecting there. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper. To learn more about Olivia and how her firm, Lexicon Content Development, can help you, visit lexiconcontentdevelopment.com. If you want to reach out to Olivia on LinkedIn, you can find her at Olivia Looper Lexicon. And if you'd like to follow Olivia on Instagram, you can find her at Lexicon Content Development. So next up.